0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feimster.
1: If you have in your hands, hopefully you got when you came in, the elements of the Lord's Supper, you should have it. If you do not have the individual elements, would you lift a hand? We want to make sure you have opportunity. We're going to be taking this at the end of the message together, and so we want to make sure that everyone has one that wants one, Okay. Looks like they've, you've done a good job. The third Sunday of every month we celebrate Congregational Communion and a lot of times we'll do it during the, the worship time, but I asked permission today to hold it off and I think you'll understand as we go through the message this morning. But uh, Pastor Chris just finished a series called To Whom Shall We Go? and uh, I asked him if I could use his slide... His picture, uh, so that, uh, because, you know, when he started his series, he invited us, how many of you remember, he invited us to read through John chapter 6, all of it, over and over while he did the series. Well, I try to obey my pastor. And how many of you obey your pastor? Okay, we won't ask that question. I want to share with you this morning what I have gleaned from the chapter no way am I trying to add on or to, to complete what pastor... I think he did an incredible job. But I just want to share with you what my heart is that I saw because he, he gave me some things. After reading it through a couple of times, uh, I heard this word in my spirit. It says, this is a watershed moment. This is a watershed moment. And I understood it to be about John chapter 6, but I also felt that it had meaning for where we are today in our lives and in our culture. Now, watershed is not something I usually talk about in my vocabulary. So I had to look it up. And so Webster's defines it literally is it's a dividing ridge in geography between drainage areas. In other words, there's a ridge and water will drain one way or rain will drain one way from one side of the ridge. It'll drain the other way on the other side of the ridge. So it's a dividing line. But figuratively... Webster says, It's a crucial dividing point or line or factor. It's a turning point. It speaks of defining or deciding moments in life or in direction or in purpose. A dividing line, a watershed moment. The key verses that stood out to me as I studied uh, John chapter 6 was the verse that's on this slide. To whom shall we go? When Jesus asked Peter... You know, or he asked the disciples, Are you going to leave also? Verse 66 says, Then Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And what stood out to me in this verse is the words of eternal life. I knew that he had asked him and Peter had answered, but what Peter in his answer was, You have the words of eternal life. And that, for some reason, stood out. And then in verse 63 of that same chapter, it says, Jesus speaking, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. There it was again. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I love how Pastor Chris pointed out that this whole chapter happened in a 24-hour period. That's the key to understanding a watershed moment. In other words, everything but Jesus changes from this point on in John. Through this time, everybody, everybody's excited, everything. but this is that watershed moment in John chapter 6. Where people make a decision whether they're going to go on with God or not, whether they're going to trust Jesus or not, whether they're going to believe Jesus or not. So, this chapter starts, the first 15, chap- first 15 verses of this chapter starts with a sign, the feeding of the 5,000. And it leads to a sermon, but not just any sermon. It's the words of eternal life. These words are spirit and life to all who behold and believe. And I believe that's true right now too in our time, in our culture. We are at a defining and deciding point in our culture. Our future might just hang on decisions we're making right now individually, corporately, as a country, as a world. I... I have hope that reaches beyond the troubles of our time. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. What words? Well, it's the words that came before the statement. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. there was the sign that led to a dialogue that led to a teaching. And the teaching, the words, were about eternal life. And when you get a sign, a sign points to something other than itself. A sign never points to itself. A sign points to something else. The event was not the issue. The feeding the 5,000 wasn't the issue. What it was pointing to was the sufficiency of Jesus and eternal life. So let's look at John chapter 6 verse 26 to kind of give us the context of this. They've come, they've come from the other side of the sea after they've been fed, and now Jesus is there. They find him and they say, How did you get here, basically? And then they say, uh, how, You know, we come to find you. And Jesus says this. Jesus replied, I, This is a New Living Translation that I'll be reading from today. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the miraculous signs. You don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of His approval. Verse 28. They, then they replied... We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? I love verse 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. I want you to hear that again. This is the only work God wants from you. Look at it. Believe in the one He has sent. God, what do you want from us? Believe in the one He has sent. This is the only work. The works of the flesh profit nothing. The only thing God wants from us is to believe in the one He sent. Well, the people began to challenge Jesus and they want to see more. And so they talk about Moses and their ancestors having bread, which was manna from heaven. In verse 32, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. But look at the next part. And now He's offering you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They argue with you that Jesus finally just comes out and says it in verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. This is the first of the seven I am's in the Gospel of John where Jesus declares Himself to be the same with God. I am that I am. In fact, in the Greek, I am here it's two Greek words It says I am, I am. I am, I am. In other words, He really is. He is the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. I believe verse 40 of John chapter 6 is the text of the whole chapter. Verse 40 because it tells us us about what God really wants. Verse 40 of John chapter 6 says this, For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's my Father's will. This is what God's after that all who behold the Son and believe in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Everything else from this verse is illustration and explanation. But this verse... And so I want us to look at these words. You knew I was going to do this. You've got to have a word study if I'm preaching. Okay? I want you to look at these words. The word C is the oreo. It means to look at closely, to gaze, to look on with interest or for a purpose. By implication, it means to comprehend, recognize, and acknowledge. In other words, acknowledge me. And then it says, believe, pestuo. It's to be firmly persuaded and convinced as to who Jesus really is. Convinced of His person. That you might have eternal. The word eternal is Ionios Eternal perpetual abiding, when it refers to eternal life, it's the life which is God's and is not affected by the limitations of time or space. And then the word life here is zoe. Blessed life, life that satisfies, indwelt by God. Doesn't mean favorable circumstances, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that. It means that you have a life that circumstances can't can't, can't, can't mess up. Lost my word. It's life in an absolute sense and without end. And here's the promise. I'll raise. And this to me. I'll raise. It's the raising of the dead. It means that I'll raise up and recall to life the one who's died in me. I'll raise you up. And then last day is eschatos. We get our word eschatology. Everybody's going to say, what's the end going to be like? Here's what the end's going to be like. If you know Jesus, He's going to raise you up. That's all you need to know about the end. Because everything else is superfluous to that. What good is it going to do to know everything about the end and not be raised up? He's going to raise you up. Everything else, that we start in verse 41 and all the rest of these verses, is an explanation and illustration of this verse 40. The requirement for eternal life... God's quality of life, a life that will live on perpetually, is to behold the Son and believe in Jesus. Behold and believe. Well, I thought this was talking about eating and drinking. Well, we're going to get to that because verse 54, look at verse 54 compared to verse 40. Have you got them both up? Thank you, Pat. Verse 40 says, For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last days. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person up at the last day. Saying the same thing. They're called parallel passages. One is the interpretation of the other. For what does it mean to eat his flesh and to drink his blood? It means to behold and to believe in Jesus. But here's the point. Most of us think we believe. Most of us believe, think that we have beheld. And Jesus says to these very people who are listening to Him, You have come to Me. You see Me, but you don't believe in Me. Well, we're here. We're asking questions. Doesn't that mean we believe in You? And so Jesus is going to explain to them what it really means to behold and to believe in Him. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. There's a provision been made for you and I for eternal life. It's not through the things, not through the things we believe, it's through the one we consume. Through the one we assimilate, through the one we attach ourselves and become in union with. Why would Jesus use such graphic language? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? You see, the people thought they were believing when in reality they were merely trying to get what they wanted. They wanted something from Jesus. They didn't want eternal life. They wanted bread and food. You see, they wanted a political Messiah. A Messiah, because it had been prophesied that the Messiah, when the Messianic kingdom came in, the Messiah would provide bread for everyone, and He would defeat Rome, and He would set people free. Their life would be easy under the rule of the Messiah. You see, what they believed, if Jesus was, and that's what they said at the end of uh, of them eating, was this is the prophet who was to come. But what they believed about that prophet was to totally miss Jesus. They had come to Jesus for what they wanted, not what they needed. And so Jesus is fixing to burst their bubble. And let me tell you, for a lot of people in our world today, though they would say, I believe in Jesus, Jesus would bust their bubble if they really understood what it meant to believe. Because it's not about a mental ascent to a truth of history. Eternal life, the only requirement is to believe. But what does it mean to believe? It means to eat and to drink the sufficiency of Christ in everything He's offered to us. So, they needed forgiveness. They needed eternal life, but they were willing to settle for full stomachs, freedom from Rome, and an easier lifestyle. Sounds like America. We need Jesus, but we're willing to settle for what he provides we want him to take away our pain we want him to ease our troubles but we never realize what he came to give you is a life that nothing can take away trouble can't touch there was a watershed moment would they behold and believe him this way would they really eat and drink? Well, what's this eating bit? Why would Jesus use that term, eating? Four things I want to tell you about eating. First of all, it's essential for life. In other words, if you don't eat, you die. Ultimately, you die. You might miss a meal. You might live for a while. But if you don't eat, you'll die. I tried this the first service. It probably won't work here either. Some of us could go without eating for a while, right? Not just a meal. Some of us could do 12 or 15. We wouldn't die. We have a supply. Thank you for laughing. First service didn't get it. So I had to tell him another bad joke. I won't tell you that one. What is this eating? It's essential for life. If you don't eat, you die. You you get hungry for a reason. You need nourishment. And that leads us to the second thing. Eating is responding to a felt need. It's essential for life, and it's a response to a felt need. Have you ever felt really hungry? I don't mean between meals. Have you ever been really hungry? Very few times have I been really hungry, but on those times, you know what it is to be hungry. And uh, that's an acute, uh, unmistakable feeling. And eating is a response to a felt need. Jesus said in this this same verse, He says, No one comes to, to to, to the Father except through Me, and no one comes to Me except that the Father draw them. Have you ever wondered how the Father draws? It's right here. He draws you by hunger. Not physical hunger, though that could be the case. He draws you by that hunger, that gnawing and knowing that something is missing in your life. Something is missing. There's a hole in your spirit, not just your stomach. There's something, and you may have tried to satisfy it with everything else, but there's that gnawing, knowing that something is missing. The Father is drawing you to the the one thing, the only thing that can ever satisfy, and that's the one He sent. And so Jesus uses about eating and and drinking because it's essential for life. It's it's responding to a felt need, but it also implies an act of uh, appropriation. In other words the food, the provision that was previously outside of me is taken inside, it's assimilated, and it becomes a part of me, supplying health and strength. So it is spiritually. Verse 56, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides or lives in me and I in him. In other words... When you eat, you take in through your mouth, into your system, and we can go into much detail, but what happens is that is assimilated and goes to every soul of your body which supplies and nourishes you for life. When you receive Jesus, you don't receive an addition to your life. You receive Him into you, and He affects every part of your life. You don't. You, he assimilates. He abides in you, and you're in Him. There's a living union between you and Jesus when you receive Him, when you behold and believe Him. There's a living union as if you've taken Him in, and He now lives to the pores of your being, the depths of your soul. It's not a religious ritual. It's real life. And then, number four, I think, it's intensely personal. It's a personal act, it's something which no one else can do for you. If I'm to be nourished, I must myself eat. Standing by and watching others eat will not supply your needs. No one can believe in Christ for you. Your mom and dad can't just teach you enough that you know Christ. You've got to eat. You've got to take it in yourself. It's intensely personal. What is this bread? Verse 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Jesus is speaking of the sacrifice that he's going to make on the cross for the life of the world. Verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Can you hear them just squirming with that as a Jew? Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me and in the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. To have eternal life, you must believe and receive Jesus all of Jesus, His teaching, His redemptive work, His commandments, into the innermost core of your being. It's totally assimilating the person of Christ and completely identifying with Him. His teaching, His passion, His cross, His resurrection, and His commands. Jesus says to you, I'm going to pay as the Son of Man what men could never pay on their own. I'm dying in the flesh so you might live beyond the flesh. I'm giving up my lifeblood as the price of the sin of the world so that you will never have to pay it because you can't afford it. I'm going to die that you might have eternal life by me. To have eternal life, I behold and believe. I eat and I drink. I consume the reality of who Jesus is. I receive it to be assimilated and identified with as my very life. And it's just as Jesus lived by the Father, I live by Him. Have you eaten? I don't mean, are you going to eat? Have you eaten? I find there's four kinds of eating. Four kinds of eaters. You know them. There's the tasters. You take it in your mouth. You swish it around. Examine it. Judge it. And if you're a real good t- wine tasters, you know they taste it. They swish it around. They smell it. They'll taste it. And then they what do they do? They spit it out. Now, I didn't test, I didn't taste wine but I was a milk judger in high school. In FFA, we judged milk. Swirl it, taste it, spit it out, and then wash the taste out with water. And then judge it. We we missed, we lost state. We were second in state by six points. We tasted a lot of milk. But here's the thing about tasters they don't swallow the tasters were there that day they wanted to they were hearing all he was saying they was giving it a taste but they wasn't swallowing it there's a lot of people that will give Jesus a taste give religion a taste they'll test it for a time they'll swish it around try and try But, but here's the thing they can spit it out and wash the taste out with the water of the world there's tasters but here's the good news about tasters because God invites you oh taste and see that the Lord is good the second kind of eaters are, are nibblers you got tasters you got nibblers how many of you have ever heard don't ruin your supper here's what a nibbler does they eat a little bit of everything little bit of everything and the reason is, in other words, they'll, they'll try to find everything, little, little parts of everything to satisfy them. And the reality is, they're not really hungry for what would really nourish them because they've nibbled all day. They've nibbled with the things of the world, they've nibbled with the, the opportunities around them. They, they look at many things to feel and to satisfy. So when the time comes of a place of need, you're not hungry that which would really satisfy there's a lot of people who, who who nibble at Christ but they've nibbled they've nibbled on everything else they're trying everything else too and so they really never come to realize what they can really get in Christ because they're so deceived by the things of the world there's tasters there's nibblers some of you will get mad at me for this one but there's dieters there's dieters Here's what it is about a diet dieter they're in control of what they eat they're in charge of their lives they're careful with their calories. They eat a little but never to the full. A dieter is one who comes to Jesus and they know it's true and stuff, but you just don't want to go too far. You just don't want want to be all in. There's a lot of other things you can enjoy in life before the time. But after all, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Folks, listen, eternal life doesn't start, doesn't start when you die. It started when you believed. When you beheld and you believed, when you took the first bite, eternal life took you. That's why Peter couldn't go when everybody else went. Why? Because i got something that satisfies me. It's the words of eternal life that I can't find anywhere else. Let me tell you something. If, I, I had a guy call me one time. He said, Preacher, it's just too hard. I've got to quit. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I said, okay, quit. Just quiet on the phone. I understand it's hard. I know that you're really going through pain all these things. Just quit. He said, Preacher, you, you know I can't do that. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's why I said it. I know you can't. Because once you've tasted once you've realized, once you've consumed and eaten and drank, there's nothing else in this world that can satisfy. Nothing. There's dieters. Then this is who I want to be. I hope you do too. Connoisseurs. There's connoisseur eaters. These are the people who study And her interest, they have a fine appreciation for the food. They're the one who knows and enjoys all the pleasures and the delicacies. They're the ones that once they've eaten, they ask for the recipe. Because there are spices in this that I just don't know what are. I I what's, What's this got in it? They love eating because they know that the pleasure of eating is going to not only satisfy, but to nourish them. And, and let me tell you about a connoisseur. They never get enough. There's always a new dish. There's a new way. There's a new understanding. There's a new spice. There's, a new, there's always something a connoisseur finds in the dish. Let me tell you, Jesus is so big, so full, so appetizing that you could eat for the rest of your life and never discover all the delicacies that are in your Savior. Are you a taster? Are you a nibbler? A dieter? are you a connoisseur? connoisseur loves white bread, wheat bread, and banana bread. And they let the food become everything it was meant to be to not only sustain them, but to satisfy them. And here's the thing, you'll never get fat on Jesus. Because there's always more for you to appropriate, assimilate, nourish from. Are you satisfied today with Jesus? I want to read to you something that I'm discovering, but I want to know it to the full. It's going to be on your screen. It's going to be little, but it's just in Christ. In Christ, you have a love that can never be fathomed. You have a life that can never die, a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished. A hope that can never be disappointed. A glory that can never be clouded. A light that can never be darkened. A happiness that can never be interrupted. A strength that can never be exhausted. A purity that can never be defiled. A beauty that can never be marred. A wisdom that can never be baffled. And resources that can never be depleted. That's what you got in Jesus. He satisfies. You have the elements of the Lord's Supper. I want you to take it. You have to be a genius to open these things. You pull the first little cellophane and it will reveal the... They call that bread. I'm not sure what I would call it. And then if you would, go ahead and open the juice too. Let me say something that that I want you to understand. John 6 is not talking about the Lord's Supper. Okay? John 6 is not talking about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper doesn't happen until John 13. But John 13, the Lord's Supper, is talking about the truths of John 6. So when Jesus got his disciples together and they took of the Lord's Supper, he was reminding them of what he had taught them about eternal life. Eat my bread. Eat, the, eat this bread. Drink this cup. In other words, my, I am the bread of life. My blood is drink indeed. It's the true drink. And so as we partake of this and why I'm, why I'm doing it in this way is because every third Sunday we do this. But I want you to understand why we do it. I want you to understand. I'm not taking anything I hadn't taken a hundred, maybe thousands of times. But today, I realize that the only thing that satisfies me in life is Jesus Christ. This is my body, Jesus said, which was broken for you, broken for your deliverance. To deliver you from sin, from bondage, from disease. Take, eat. This juice represents the blood of Christ. The blood of a spotless lamb. Free from guilt and and the stain of sin. Poured out freely on the cross as the just payment for the sin of the world. For your sin, for my sin. Take and drink. Drink all of it. Paul said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you testify of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. His death, His resurrection for life eternal. His words are spirit and they are life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten Son, the spotless Lamb of God, to die our death on a cross in His flesh, to spill your blood on the ground, as the just payment for not His sin, but ours. We receive it, God. We see it, and we receive it. We believe it, and we receive Your eternal life. That perpetual life that not even death can stop. I live it now, I'll live it then. And You're the source of it. I give You worship. I give You praise. I adore You. And I press toward discovering more and more and more of You. I'm not full yet, Lord. I want to keep on eating. I want to keep on drinking. I press on. In Jesus' name, I praise You. Amen. Would you stand together with me? Evan's going to lead in a song as we close. We have a ministry team that's available. If you have any ministry needs, maybe this morning is the first time you really understood what it meant to believe in Jesus. Let me tell you, if you believe Him, eternal life entered into you. just say yes to Him and eternal life enters into you. Tell somebody. Here's the other thing about a connoisseur. They love to tell what they've eaten. They love to tell everybody about what they found. A connoisseur can tell you all about it because they found pleasure and satisfaction in it. When you know Jesus, you can't help but describe Him to everybody else.
0: Amen. I told the first service that if we were going to be connoisseurs of juice and bread, we need to get new communion cups that hard to be a connoisseur of styrofoam. You know, what I do want to share with you, though, is Pastor Daryl myself, um, our children's leadership, our nursery leadership, our youth leadership, we don't have anywhere else to go. We come to Jesus Christ and we come to his word and and every message that's preached every Sunday. I think Pastor Daryl did a fantastic job. He said he didn't, he didn't, amen, yeah. We didn't didn't plan out when I started this series that he was going to close with this message and close out the series. And I say that just because every Sunday we come to him. Every week we come to him and say, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. We don't know what else to say. We don't know what to share, but we know you do. And we're going to come to you and we're going to say whatever you tell us to say. And that's every area of ministry here. But we can't eat for you. And that's what this word was about. You have to get to the point where you come to him and realize, Lord, there's nowhere else to go. I want to consume you. I want to consume your word. I want to have conversations with the Father myself and hear Him and know Him and respond to Him. You have to do it yourself and all that we do and at every ministry that we have here all that we can say is we've found out there's nowhere else to go and we're telling you about this amazing meal that will make you whole and fill you up and that there's nowhere else to go but you've got to decide that for yourself you have to consume it yourself you have to come to him and come to that place yourself and we want to walk with you in that but you have to make that decision will you pray with me dear heavenly father we thank you that you have made every provision that your work is that we would believe in your son jesus christ Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would manifest Himself in this place. Lord, Your Word says that He reveals all truth. I pray that You would open eyes this morning, open ears this morning, to hear Your voice like they've never heard before, Lord, To, to that they may have tasted, but they haven't swallowed, Lord. And this morning, I pray that they would swallow and be filled by You, Lord. And once and for all, make the decision and come to the realization that there's nowhere else to go. Lord, nothing else will satisfy. Lord, we give you all glory and all praise and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before you go, we've just got a couple of quick announcements. There will be middle school and high school youth tonight, 5 p.m. Yeah, And then Spark and Life Group this week. Uh, And then there is going to be a special throne room encounter on uh, Saturday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. They've all been special, but this one is going to be the Saturday before Easter Sunday. And there's going to be some special things included that. And so we want you to make plans now uh, to join us at that throne room encounter on Saturday, April 3rd at 7 p.m. There will be a men's breakfast Saturday, April 10th. That's a couple of weeks away, but just once you get that on your calendar. And then all ladies, uh, there's going to be a ladies' night out. There's uh, these little flyers out in the foyer. It's going to be uh, Friday, April 16th from 630 to 9. Dinner will be provided for you. We just need an RSVP. There's not going to be any cost to you, but we'd like to get a good count of who's all going to be there so that you can sign up for that out in the foyer. And uh, if you are available and can if you could help us stack the chairs on these two sides. We've only got a few weeks left (laughs) of stacking chairs before we're out there, uh, but we'd really appreciate that. God bless you, and have a great week.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's message.